invite you to turn to Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 11. Our theme in this message is very simply put, God's advice about money. God's advice about money. When you read Proverbs and many other portions of our Holy Bible, you and I discover a great deal about God's advice about money. And we only have time, of course, to focus on some of the Lord's guidance and advice. But it is my prayer that these truths will be of help to you and to me in many different ways. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom, the guidance, the advice that you give to us in your Holy Bible about money. Obviously, money is very important to all of us in one way or another. And we just pray that you will open up our minds and hearts, and you would also stretch us as we reflect upon and uncover and discover and, um, and just dig into some of the truths that you want us to know, to act upon, to live out in regards to financial matters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So, here is God's advice about money. The first truth is very straightforward, and it is this. Be a generous person. Be a generous person. In um, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, we have some, uh, some truth here that may be somewhat uh, difficult uh, for some, some of us to kind of really fully comprehend. Um, Pastor Lisa, if we could just go on the screen there to Proverbs 11, 24, 25. All right, uh, I think we have up there... 22, verse 9. Uh, that's okay. There we are. Okay, there, there we are. It just accidentally got switched on there. But uh, Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says this. Give freely and become more wealthy. How about that? That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Then verse 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And then uh, look at Proverbs 22, verse 9, which says, blessed are those who are generous. Blessed or blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Let's go back. Let's go back to Proverbs 11, 24, and 20, 25. Let's read them again, okay? All right? Together in unison. Let's read them out, out loud. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, in some ways, the verses that we just read don't make sense. 
Is that right? Let's just be honest. In some ways, they, they don't make sense. Some people call it a paradox. P-A-R-A-D-O-X. A paradox, not a pair of do- ducks or, or, or a pair of doctors or anything like that. P-A-R-A-D-O-X, all right? Uh, I asked Google, by the way, uh, I asked Google for a definition. I, I tell you this just so you, more of you know that I know how to press buttons or speak into my phone and, and ask for... Uh... <laughs> oh, Pastor Yanni just seems to get blessed by these things. Anyway, I asked Google for a definition of paradox, and here is what Google said. They probably took it out of the Webster's Dictionary. But Google said... A paradox is a statement or a proposition that despite sound reasoning, sound reasoning, okay, despite sound reasoning from acceptable premises leads to a conclusion that seems senseless, logically unacceptable, or self-contradictory. That's the definition of paradox. And so Proverbs eleven twenty four and verse 25 are, in fact, a paradox. In regards to verses 24 and 25, the commentator in the New Living Translation of the Bible says this. He says, these two verses present a paradox. We become richer by being generous. The world says to hold on to as much as possible. But God blesses those who give freely of their possessions, time, and energy. Then he goes on and he says, When we give, God supplies us with more so that we can give more. In addition, giving helps us gain a right perspective on our possessions. We realize that they were never really ours to begin with, but they were given to us by God to be used to help others. What then do we gain by giving? He says, we gain freedom from enslavement to our possessions, we gain the joy of helping others, and we gain God's approval. Amen. Look again at verses 24 and 25. Some of you, some of you are still perhaps thinking, It doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense. And some of you are having a hard time, a hard time wrapping your mind around this truth, if we are to be honest. It's hard for me to really explain what is in fact a paradox. It's difficult for anyone to explain it, really. However, I can say that across my 35 years of pastoring, I have seen generous people prosper in various ways. It's a reality, and uh, Dr. Lisa Autar beautifully spoke of this truth in, in her message in the other service today as well. I have seen Proverbs 22, verse 9, lived out. That's the verse that says, blessed are those who are generous. Blessed are those who are generous. Now, some of you are already, some of you are already very generous, and you would say, Pastor Nick, those Bible verses that you are talking about are so true. 
They are right on. I know what you're talking about. I've been experiencing it for years in my life. Uh, you've experienced Proverbs 11.25, the generous will prosper. Now some others of you are, are perhaps scratching your heads and you are thinking, how, how can anyone give freely and become more wealthy? Well, I want to challenge, I want to challenge you to really stretch. I want to challenge you to stretch your faith, become more generous, and discover, just discover the principle that these verses are talking about. Discover how God blesses you, what God does. Proverbs 22, 9 says, blessed are those who are generous. I challenge you to stretch yourself. At different times in my life, I've stretched myself, and more and more I've discovered the truth of these verses that we're just talking about right now. By the way, I never, I never want to say, I never, absolutely never want to say, give so that you will get. No, not at all. I don't believe in that. But I do want to say, be generous in how you live your life, in, in totality. Be generous and you will be surprised and amazed with God's unexpected blessings. It's reality. I've seen it in other people's lives and I've experienced it myself in our own family in many different ways across the years. All right, what might be, what might be some ways in which a person can start to be generous? What, are, what might be some ways in which you, you could be generous <clears throat> even today or this week? Well, one way might be, might be for you, for me, for us, uh, if you haven't already done so, one way might be to make a, a generous donation to help with the hurricane relief efforts in the Caribbean. Uh, just last week, obviously, Hurricane Matthew devastated the island of Haiti, and severely damaged areas of Cuba, as well as affecting some other islands and the coast of the United States. And the Church of the Nazarene, for one, other churches I'm sure have similar ministries, but the Church of the Nazarene has what we call the Compassionate Ministries Department, which responds to and helps in world areas where there is devastation as occurred last week due to the hurricane. And just for your interest as well, we have a, a lot of Nazarene churches in the Caribbean. We have a lot of Nazarene churches in Haiti, in fact. And it was missionaries Dr. Paul and Mary Oriella who started the uh, missionary work in Haiti back in the 1950s. I know about this because I had the privilege of having Dr. Paul Oriella as my professor of world missions when I was in seminary during my uh, years at Nazarene Theological Seminary. At that point, he, he was older and he had been appointed or took on the responsibility of teaching other students at seminary. And he often talked to us about his, uh, his wonderful work and ministry in Haiti and how much he loved the people there, along with his wife Mary and their children. So I just read, for example, <clears throat> this week, and maybe some of you have read this on the Nazarene News uh, or and some of the other bulletins, but I read this week that 30 out of 33 Nazarene church buildings collapsed 
and 535 Nazarene families have, <clears throat> have been directly affected by the loss of homes, crops, and livelihoods in southwestern Haiti, southwestern Haiti alone. And through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, church leaders have distributed hundreds of crises care kits, food packages, water, filters, and high-quality tents that each shelter up to 12 people. And then another, another 1,500, I learned, another 1,500 water filters, <clears throat> 150 tents, and 140,000 prepackaged meals have been on their way to Haiti. They probably have already gotten there by now. And as some of you know, in Cuba as well, in Cuba, more than one million people were evacuated before the hurricane hit, and because of the massive evacuation, loss of life was largely avoided. However, however, homes and buildings have been severely damaged in the Baracoa and Macy areas, where church leaders estimate that 15 churches have been damaged and at least 29 Nazarene families have been left homeless. Now, that's just, that's just people associated with the Church of the Nazarene. There were thousands of more families, obviously, that uh, have been severely affected by the hurricane in, in Cuba. Many Cubans lost everything, and when they returned home after the storms, they found rubble and scarce shelter, and without running water, Many have been struggling to find food and water and are waiting for aid to come. And then you have probably also heard that in the Bahamas, the Nazarene district office and many churches have been damaged in the Bahamas as well. So <clears throat> if, you, if you would like to make a donation to help with the hurricane relief efforts, you can just mark your donation, hurricane relief, and place it in the offering uh, ushers, I'll ask you even tonight, even today, to place, place some plates at the back of the sanctuary. So on the way out, if some of you want to make a donation or you want to make another donation with a hurricane relief, you can, you can do so. Just mark it, hurricane relief, okay? And we'll be sending these funds, we'll be sending these funds to the Church of the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries Department to help with the effort that is going on in terms of helping with the hurricane tragedy. All right, what might be, what might be another way in which, in which you can be generous? What might be another way? Well, there are, there are plenty of, of, of ways, but if we just go back to the first point, please. Um, in your program today, in your bulletin, we have, we have the, uh, the pledge card which was also referred to in the other service, which says, My Mortgage Fund Pledge. On the last Sunday of this month, we'll be receiving the mortgage fund pledges, and our goal is, as a church family, to give $21,000 per month from this month of October to the end of uh, September of 2017. Our goal is to give $21,000 a month in order for us to pay our church mortgages each month and uh, certainly meet our obligations to the lenders for our mortgages and gradually also pay off the debt on this beautiful building that we constructed. And so I, I want to ask you please to take that card and pray in these weeks ahead and say, Lord, what would you like 
my mortgage fund pledge to be. And then on the 30th of this month, drop it into the offering plate and say, Lord, I present my very best, my very best to you as I make this pledge for our mortgage fund for this forthcoming year. So those are just a few ways in which, in which you and I can show generosity in the days ahead. And obviously, you can think up many other ways, and the Lord can guide you, guide me, in terms of personal ways in which we are help and a blessing to others through a generous spirit. Well, God's advice about money. Number one, be a generous person. Here's a second truth that I invite you to think upon, and it is this. Place people's needs ahead of making big bucks. This truth comes out of Proverbs 11, verse 26. Let's read it in unison, shall we, out loud? People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. They bless the one who sells in time of need. Now stick with me so that you'll better grasp what this is really talking about. What is it saying? Well, across the centuries, sometimes, for example, when there was a famine in a country, some farmers and some business people would, would hoard up, would hoard up the grain and all kinds of food. They would hoard it up and uh, store it away, hold on to it as long as they could. They, they used to refuse to sell their grain until people got really desperate, till things got really bad in the land, and then, and then when people were starving, they would then demand, for example, they demanded a hundred times the regular price of what people would usually pay. Are you with me now, right? They would demand a hundred times, or 50 times, or 200 times, it could really vary. And so poor people had no choice but to pay the high prices just to buy a little grain for their starving families. And so that's what they did to uh, up the price. And here are some, uh, some modern-day examples that are kind of um, comparable to the unfortunate things that happened across the centuries. Here, here's one example. A few years ago, some of you will remember, we had a very bad ice storm here in Ontario, which lasted about a week or so. How many of you remember that very bad ice storm, right? There were thousands of homes without light and without heat for, in some cases, for a whole week or more. Well, if you recall, normally a bag of salt uh, to use on your driveway or sidewalks, normally that bag of salt would cost about 2 or $3. That's generally what I used to pay for it. And uh, Brother Freddie, is that pretty much what you normally pay for it? Right? So normally the bag of salt would cost about 2 or $3. However, however, because there was so much ice all over the province, and especially around Toronto, the salt bags sold out very quickly. If you didn't have any previously bought, it was hard to find them. There were a few stores, however, I discovered, which were able to get some salt bags into their stock room, into their store. They were able to get some salt, but instead, instead of them selling it at the regular 2 or $3 per bag, 
they tried to take advantage of people. They tried to take advantage, and they jacked up the price of up to like $20 or $30 per bag. Do you, any of you remember that? It's easy to forget these things once they're passed. Sometimes we want to forget them, okay? Um, so, so they jacked up the price from 2 or $3 to $20 or $30. Now, did their supplier, did the store's supplier increase the price to the store? And so did the store have to pass along the higher price? I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. But common sense tells me that someone was trying to take advantage of people during what was probably the worst ice storm of the century, at least for Toronto. Right? Right. On other occasions, sometimes in the United States when there have been earthquakes or hurricanes and uh, clean water became scarce in some of the cities, uh, sometimes, sometimes Mr. and Mrs. Make a Fast Buck uh, would, would drive around, would drive around in these devastated areas selling a bottle of water, for example, for $20 instead of the regular $1. Or, or someone else, someone else uh, who, um, who knew that most of the gas stations were sold out of gas would drive around, would drive around with a big truck selling a gallon or a liter of gas for 10 times, 10 times what it would normally sell for. In, in other words, they were taking advantage of people. And because unfortunately, some people try to make big bucks at a time of crisis. I heard on the news that just before the recent hurricane hit the east coast of the United States, um, as people were flocking to stores to stock up on food and some other essentials, a state governor, it was, I think it was the governor or it was another politician, announced that if any, if any store was found to jack up their regular prices, they would be severely penalized and prosecuted after the storm was over. And that was, that was the, the leader's way of trying, trying to prevent abuse, trying to prevent people taking advantage of others during a crisis time. Well, I want to express appreciation. I want to express sincere appreciation to a variety of wonderful people in our own church who regularly place place people's needs ahead of making big dollars. There are people in our congregation, some of you are here right now in front of me, there are folks in this congregation with various skills and talents who could earn a lot more money than they do. However, you place people's needs ahead of making big bucks. And I want to commend you and thank you and may God continue to bless you for having that kind of an attitude, that kind of a spirit. Amen? Amen. So we're talking about God's advice about money. The second is place people's needs ahead of making big bucks. Here's a third truth. Third truth is this. Be cautious about serving as a guarantor for someone else's debt. It's very interesting that uh, Proverbs 17, 18 addresses this. Uh, Proverbs 17, 18 says, read it out loud with me from the big screen. 
It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. Now stick with me on this. Sometimes, sometimes your son, daughter, brother, sister, friend, or coworker uh, is wanting to buy a car or a house or a business, and the bank is perhaps only willing to lend them the money if someone else is willing and able to serve as a guarantor. This is kind of standard procedure with the banks and the lending institutions. Now what that means, serving as a guarantor, what that means, for example, is that if the person who buys the car cannot make, let's say, cannot make the $500 per month payment, it means that the bank or whoever is the lender will come after you to make the $500 per month payments. That's what it means, essentially, to be a guarantor. I believe the Lord wants us to be helpful towards each other. There's no doubt about that. The Lord wants us to be helpful, helpful to family members, helpful to friends, helpful to strangers. At the same time, at the same time, Proverbs 11:15 is cautioning us about serving as a guarantor for someone's someone else's debt. So, if a family member or friend is asking you to be a guarantor, think carefully about their track record. Can they be depended upon to keep their word? Have they paid their debts in the past? Have they had consistent employment? Ask yourself those questions. If someone asks you to be a guarantor, it is best for you to get the advice of someone who is not emotionally involved and can look at the situation objectively. He or she can save you a lot of unnecessary grief. And so, my friends, be cautious about serving as a guarantor for someone else's debt. Some of you, some of you are thinking to yourself, I wish someone had taught me that years ago, Pastor Nick, because it would have saved you from getting into a lot of painful situations. Uh, I could give you some examples, but, but um, sometimes, sometimes it's best not to. But simply be cautious in this department. Amen? All right. Here's a fourth truth, God's advice about money, and it is this. Don't accept bribes and don't bribe others. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> don't accept bribes and don't bribe others. Proverbs 17:23 says this. It says, the wicked take secret bribes to pervert the course of justice. The wicked take secret bribes to, to pervert the course of justice. A, a bribe, a bribe is persuading someone to act in one's favor, typically illegally or dishonestly by a gift of, of money or some other incentive. 
That's what a bribe is defined as. For example, for, for instance, a police officer, police officer might, might say, can you believe that? That, that drunk driver tried to bribe me into not arresting him by giving me $1,000. All right? That's a bribe. Well, I don't know how exactly this truth might affect you. Um, hopefully, you don't find yourself in situations where someone is trying to bribe you. And that, of course, you and I never bribe anyone else. As a pastor, as a pastor, fortunately, fortunately, I can't recall a situation in which anyone has ever tried to bribe me for any reason, and I've never bribed anyone, just for the record, okay? However, however, I've had the occasional situation which wasn't a bribe, and perhaps you run into these situations occasionally too, okay? I've had the occasional situation which wasn't a bribe exactly, but to me didn't seem quite right, even though the other person didn't mean any harm by what they were proposing. Now stick with me so that in the end you don't say, oh, I just confused you. For example, for example, some, some years ago, a well-meaning real estate agent said to me, something like this, he said, and he was a good man. He was just trying to promote his business, but he said, Pastor Nick, you have a lot of people in your church, and Pastor, you know a lot of people. He went on and said, Obviously, obviously, there will be times when your people in your church will want to sell their house or buy a house. And he then said, Pastor Nick, if you, if you direct people to me to sell their house or help them buy another house, he said he would give me 10% of his commission. That, that, was, the, that was the offer, Okay. And I really believe he meant well by it, okay? That wasn't exactly a, a bribe, but I didn't feel right about it. I didn't feel right about it. And I immediately said to him, I said, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I can't do that because I don't want, I don't want any of our people to ever think that Pastor Nick sometimes does things just to profit for himself. Right? Make sense? Are you with me? Okay. Uh, here's another little example. Now, on this one, I don't know, some of you might say, oh, Pastor Nick, you should have made a deal. Um, but here's another recent example. Recently, a funeral, funeral home manager said to me, he said, uh, Pastor Nick, we, we want to sit down with you and work out a, a, special, a special funeral package and a special price for families from Rosewood Church of the Nazarene uh, if you'll direct people to our funeral home. Now, it wasn't a bribe, but I didn't feel right about it. I didn't feel right about it. He didn't mean any ill will, but I didn't feel right about it. And so I said, I said, you know what? I, I'm sorry, I can't do that because 
if any family, if any person or any family feels like I'm directing them to a specific funeral home, they, they can too easily think that Pastor Nick or that Rosewood Church is being given some kind of a kickback for directing people to their funeral home. Does this make sense to you? You're following me? Okay. So I said to him, I don't want any family to think that somehow Pastor Nick or Rosewood Church is profiting from the death of their dear family member. So I said, thank you for making this uh, offer to us, but we can't accept that. I can't accept it. And he said, well, okay, that's, I understand. He said, I understand. And, and that was that. My friends, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, don't accept bribes. Don't bribe others and be careful to stay away from business arrangements or profit opportunities which might not necessarily be wrong but also would not necessarily be right. Are you with me? Yes? So there we are with four, four of points of God's advice about money. There's a lot more truth in Proverbs than elsewhere. But those are the four truths I want us to just reflect upon and act upon. Number one, be a generous person. Are you generous? If you are, great. If there's room to grow there, let's each one of us grow. And as we do, you know, we're becoming more like Jesus because Jesus was generous. Amen? Secondly, place people's needs ahead of making big bucks or big dollars. Question is, do you and I place people's needs ahead of making big bucks? Jesus certainly put people's needs ahead of personal gain, didn't he? Yes, indeed. And thirdly, be cautious about serving as a guarantor for someone else's debt. And fourth, don't accept bribes and don't bribe others. Obviously, Jesus never accepted bribes, nor did he do anything shady. As we do, as Jesus did, I believe he will honor us more and more and bless us by his spirit. God's advice about money. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you teach us about money in the Bible and about so many other aspects of life. And I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to live out the truths that we have discovered from this part of your Bible today, from Proverbs. May you, O oh God, inspire and help and motivate each one of us to live these truths out on a daily basis for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.